0: G'day and welcome to Occupied. My name's Brock Cook and as per usual, I'm here bringing you your fortnightly Occupational Therapy Podcast Fix. Today, I want to have a look at the extremely important but really often overlooked skill of reflection and how as clinicians and students, we can best utilize this. Thanks once again, everyone, for tuning in to listen to essentially me talk about things that interest me uh, or that come up during my week that I think are worth nutting out in a bit of a discussion. Today, I really wanted to have a look at the concept of reflection. It's something that I'll admit I wasn't very good at (laughs) while I was at university. I would say the main reason for that being that I really just didn't understand the importance of it or the value in it. I we, We were assigned quite a number of reflective tasks and reflective assessments, and I never really took them seriously, if I'm honest. I did them. Uh, I didn't really have a bit of any sort of process to them. Uh, to me, it was just a matter of uh, almost reciting what I had learnt uh, in the hope that the teacher could see that, yep, okay, he learnt what he was meant to learn. It wasn't obviously what <laughs> what the reflection task was meant to be for, and I have since definitely uh, learnt the value of reflection it probably wasn't until maybe 2 years out of uni- out from university that i really it all clicked for me and i all of a sudden went oh that's what i should have been doing the whole time and ever since then i've tried to really incorporate it into every part of my clinical practice and other parts of my life as well I've kept uh, reflective journals, I've written blogs, I've set them up on my own website, I've implemented online portfolios, I've used reflection quite a lot in my clinical practice. Now, I am back in a student role again for the first time in a decade, which is a whole different experience to the last time I was a university student, which I'm sure my lecturers are now very glad of. But I'm now coming back into this role with this skill in my toolkit. I am able to utilize reflection to consolidate some of my learning. And I've been finding it proving to be extremely useful in that student role one of the things i guess i'm that that triggered my interest in wanting to have a discussion about it was i am currently teaching first year occupational therapy students in my job and i am <laughs> currently trying to get the importance of reflection uh, across to them and then it got me thinking about well you know brock when you were in their shoes Many moons ago, you really didn't care. Uh, not that you didn't care, but you you couldn't see what it was, go- how important it was going to become to you as a, a therapist and as a, a learner. So, I guess the the me looking into some of the research around it was well, how do I how do I make it so that they don't end up like me? Essentially, as strange as that sounds. To some people, I guess. And I guess one of the other things is that I nowadays almost take reflection and where it sits in my process of learning almost for granted. It kind of just happens nowadays. I don't have to put too much formal thought behind it. Yeah, It's just a normal part of learning, whether it's I go to class and I think about it on the way home or... I go to a PD and I write a reflection on it. That to me is just my normal learning process now. But how do I actually convey that to some, to another human who is coming at their occupational therapy learning from a very different perspective? They've got very different lenses to what I had and what I currently have. And is it important that I do that or? do I allow them to develop their, their own way, the same as I did? I guess I started by having a look at what are some of the actual benefits of reflection. And I guess the main ones for me are more around consolidating learning. So I'm, I'm the kind of person that, and I always have been, ever since I was a kid, I like to know how things work. So if you give me a theory... Or if you give me a, I don't know, some sort of object, both things I'm going to pull apart until I work out how they work. Once I've worked out how they work, I'm good. I understand them really well, I can apply them or their theories to multiple situations, but I need to pull them apart first. And what I found through my reflection, ironically enough, is that for me to best learn it, I need to pull them apart myself. It's no good someone else dissecting it for me and telling me what it's like. Uh, For me to learn really well, I need to pull that thing apart myself and see how it works, work out how it works. That included funnily enough, the process of reflection, which was, you know, that's quite meta. Uh, to work out how reflection worked, I need to pull that process apart. So initially, when I first started delving into it a couple of years out of uni, I was under the mindset that it was just about repetition and that the process of reflection was just, you know, the lecturers trying to be sneaky and get me to go over material that we'd learned so that through that repetition, I'd, I'd learn it better. Since then, I've realized that it's got very little to do with repetition uh, and more to do with actually the application of process. So what I mean by that is, for example, we'll take a really basic reflective example. You learn a new skill or you learn a new concept, whatever it is. You then may reflect on, well even just two basic things. What did I learn really easily and do I feel like I understand? What did I learn quite difficulty or I'm still haven't got my head around and I need to put more work into? That simple process can help guide for in a study example, where your study efforts should be located. If there's something you've already got your head around and there's something that you haven't quite got your head around then obviously if you're studying for a certain exam then maybe you need to put more effort into the thing that you haven't quite got your head around being able to reflect is able to separate that out a bit and really think about well what do I know what don't I know uh, and where do I need to focus my efforts before that reflective process you are trying to consolidate that whole big chunk of information it's a lot more difficult whereas when you break it into parts and go okay yep that bit's good this bit's okay this bit needs a bit of work you're able to process all of that information that you've just learned more efficiently taking that reflection one step deeper is okay so this section i know very well i feel like i understand it quite well Do I understand it well enough to teach it to someone else? This is a process that I go through when I'm reflecting something. So it's kind of like a subcategory. So these are the things that I understand quite well or I feel I've learned quite well. Do I understand it well enough to be able to teach it to someone else or do I need to do a little bit more reading into it or a little bit more study into it so that I'm able to teach it? By my yardstick for my learning I understand a concept when I'm able to teach it or describe it or show someone else how it works. So I know, like I said earlier, I don't learn very well by other people telling me how things work. I get the irony, but when I'm able to tell someone how something works myself, that's when I know that I understand a concept. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm actually going to go and teach someone or I have to teach someone else how something, how everything that I learn works. It's just a, a measure. So I <laughs> random story, I had a, a friend at university who used to use a similar measure by the sands of it. I realized this in hindsight or in reflection. He used to tell me that while he was studying for exams, he would teach the materials to his pen and then... In his words, the pen would just know what to write when he went into the exam. Now, at the time, being the super mature adult that I was at the time, I did think he was a bit nuts. But in reflection, I kind of understand what he was trying to say. Whether he understood it or not, I'm not sure. But by being able to teach a concept, you have a much better understanding of it. So I believe that even if he didn't understand what he was actually talking and he genuinely thought that he was teaching his pen how to do the exam, the basic concept of learning would have been part of his reflective process as to whether or not he had learned a concept well enough to be able to teach it to this inanimate object. In my previous clinical life, I was involved in quite a lot of projects that did involve teaching other occupational therapists about different concepts. And I believe that whether I knew it or not, that is actually what consolidated a lot of my learning. So when I was learning about occupation-based practice and how to create practice change, I was actually teaching a lot of other OTs around that as well, which helped me learn it in in a greater depth. Now that I've moved into an academic role, a lot of the concepts that I have taught, yes, some are very familiar and I'm already uh, quite knowledgeable around them, but there are definitely concepts that I, one, don't know very well or haven't looked at since I was at uni, i.e. some of the developmental theorists from Lifespan Development. But me being able to teach it has been my yardstick for me developing my competency around learning about them. So I don't have a choice in this matter because I have to teach them this time. It's not a voluntary thing or not a project that I've set up by myself. But that's still the same process that I utilize to consolidate my learning. Can I teach it? And that's a, a method that I use that is... It's good for learning concepts, but what about processes and that kind of stuff? I don't want to be having to try and work out if I can teach a process or if I understand if I can extrapolate it into a different situation. So it's important to know that reflection isn't just something you can do at the end of a learning. It's It it can rear its little head up at any time. So there's four essential times when we need to be aware that it can be used. So one is obviously after learning. That makes fairly good sense. I've already sort of delved into that a bit, and that's probably where I use it the most. Like I said, I use it to consolidate my learning a lot of the time, but there's other times. You can use it before you are going into a learning situation or a clinical situation. So you can reflect on, well, this is what I'm expecting to happen based on previous experience, based on what I currently know about this person or this diagnosis or this situation or whatever it is that you're going into. This is what I know. So theoretically, this is how I see it should play out. And then you obviously see how it plays out when you go into that situation, which is another way you can look at doing it. You can look at it while learning or while enacting a process or a clinical intervention. So ideally, you'd want to use sort of all three. Well, there's four, but all three that we've talked about so far. Ideally, what you'd want to do is, well, this is what I currently know. Before you even go in the room, this is what I know. This is how I envision it should play out. While you're in there actually doing it or learning is this what's going on? Do I need to adjust based on what I know, based on what I've experienced? I can adjust this situation like so. So you can adjust things on the fly. So you're learning and you're reflecting on what you currently already know while you're learning and you're using that to your advantage. And then obviously, like I've already discussed, you can use it after the fact to consolidate things that you've learned. And what you've learned might actually be how something that you weren't initially anticipating in that situation happened and you were able to draw on some knowledge from a previous situation that was considerably different and you applied it in this situation and this happened. So it may be that you're post-event reflection incorporates what happened in your pre-event and your during-event reflection. The other thing that you really want to be looking at, and surprise, surprise, it's also to do with time, is looking forward. So this is what you know. What do you want to know next? How are you going to do it? It's kind of like making an action plan, I guess, which is a is an important part of furthering your learning. So it's not just this particular one isn't just about consolidating what you've learnt. It's about taking that next step and planning, well, okay, this is what I've learnt from this experience and I will, you know, put that away on my little knowledge shelf but this is what's missing from my shelf or this is a this is a situation where i need to find something else that i might be able to use in situations like this so it's about planning and trying to fill those gaps in your knowledge so trying to look forward into the future about what else do you need to know or how else can you learn it so the other thing that i have actually done quite a bit of work around over my short career is well what do you actually do with these reflections obviously they're good and most people will hopefully be writing them down somehow but what do you do do you just store them in a cupboard um or do you you know publish a book who knows but one of the most powerful things that I've come across is to use your reflections to help others I'm a big advocate that people learn to reflect through essentially a graded exposure to it. A lot of people don't know how to do it because they've never really been shown or exposed to the process. One thing I have done in the past is on my website, brockhook.com, where this podcast is now housed, I've previously had a whole lot of my reflections of learning posted up there for others to learn off and I've had some really amazing feedback on it. People who have been through similar situations and I've seen the situation slightly different to them or who have wondered about a certain assessment or a certain training uh, who were also at a certain conference that I might have been at and had a different experience. So being able to share my essentially little bit of information around a topic or an event or an assessment or whatever it is allows other people to then combine my experience with their experience, which then creates a whole nother reflective process for them in which they're able to learn. And the same for me. I get a lot out of reading other people's reflections. I really love finding... Other people's evidence of learnings. And I know quite a few people who started blogs and that kind of stuff websites, uh, where they would post some of their reflections through a lot of our Facebook groups, uh, that we've been involved in. I know MH for OT, OT for OT. I've seen quite a lot of people discuss their trainings they've been on or experiences they've had with different interventions. And I've been able to engage in those conversations, starting a discourse with those with the people involved and other people who have had similar things. So you might end up with three or four, maybe five, six, seven, however many uh, opinions on the same process, the same event, the same training. And you're able to then take in all of that information and come out with a more balanced opinion of it. It's a part of reflection that a lot of people do leave out. And for me and a lot of the work that I've done, I feel like it's so important because otherwise your reflections, yes, they're still benefiting you, but why not let them benefit other people as well if you're comfortable enough in sharing your thoughts. So when in education, when we are teaching students and we are, say, providing reflection or doing a group reflection in a class, that feedback is provided to the students. So the students are able to then use that learning. I've often provided reflections that I've had myself in clinical situations to the case studies that they may have been learning about. So it gives them, yes, this is what you're reflecting on with regards to this situation. This is the kinds of things that I reflected on once when I was in this particular clinical situation, and they're able to almost triangulate their opinions by increasing the number of data sources that they've got. Blogging, like I said, is another one that I think is just an amazingly underrated resource and it really nowadays doesn't take a lot of effort. There's free blogging platforms out there. I personally use uh, WordPress mainly because the free version is about as basic as you can find, but then there's also a self-hosted one, which mine is on, that you can make incredibly complex, amazing websites that can do Any number of things or pretty much anything you can imagine you can build into it. So it's kind of a full gamut uh, of resources when it comes to web building. There's something in there for everyone. The other thing you can use is digital portfolios. There's things like PebblePad, which a lot of universities uh, have now. And I may even hit up a friend of mine, Dr. Anita Hamilton, if she's listening. We might get her on because she is a bit of an expert on the, uh, the old digital portfolio. So if you're lucky and she's feeling generous, we might be able to coax her onto the podcast to have a chat about digital portfolios. And like I said before, the other way you can do it is to generate discussion. And our online platforms on Facebook, uh, there's Twitter chats, there's groups on LinkedIn, there's an, any social media platform, there's probably going to be something you can find a group of OTs utilizing it for some form of CPD or learning. But you can utilize those groups to start discussions and you don't have to post your full reflection of uh, whatever clinical experience it was. You can do your reflection, come up with a couple of questions like, I'm not really sure about what I would have done differently in this situation, post the question in the group. See if you can start a discussion around what other people think might be a viable option. And then you might from that get two or three ideas that you can then take back to your reflection. And then obviously you're going to start a blog and post that blog on there and then send me the link so I can read it. So in summary, reflection is a massively important skill set that I believe that every therapist needs to get their head around. Furthermore, I believe that every student needs to try and get their head around it as soon as they can because the benefits start happening as soon as you get some kind of mastery of that skill set. And it only has to be basic. Start basic. What did I do well? What do I want to improve? Simple as that. Build on that. As you get better at reflecting, your reflections will get more in depth. It'll start moving into, well, how did that make me feel? How did uh, my mood or whatever happened to me that morning affect what I was doing with that client when I went into that room? You'll build on that as you gain more experience. But the important thing is that you start. There are multiple times that you can use reflection in your clinical practice and your student learning. So you can use it before an experience, during an experience, after an experience and look at where you want your learning to go in the future based on what you've just experienced. And the other thing that I really want to highlight, and I'm going to probably do a completely separate million different podcasts on it because it is a real area that I've done a lot of work in and that I'm quite passionate about is what do you do with all that information afterwards and how might you be able to use it once that information has been used to help you learn how can you use it to help others learn it's a valuable resource your reflection because not everyone gets to see the experience that you've had through your eyes unless they're in the room with you so being able to read and experience other people's experiences and their reflections of that experience is a valuable lesson not only in the experience itself but in the process of reflection so i will most likely do uh, a few different podcasts over the time on the use of things like blogging and digital literacy digital portfolios and what you can actually do with some of these reflective learnings for now Thanks very much for listening. If you like it, share it with a friend. We, I'm excited to see where this podcast is going. It's been a really fun, creative project for me so far, and I've really enjoyed talking to some amazing OTs, as well as being able to put up some of my own thoughts like this one. So if you do like it, share it with a friend. Get in contact with me if you do have any ideas on things you'd like me to discuss or like me to look into. I'm always open for suggestions. You can contact me on my email, which is just brock.cook at me.com or you can tweet me on brockcookot and I will talk to you very soon.